Welcome, you're listening to Passages. I'm Drew, and I just have Jason with me tonight. Flying and missing man for me. Tim's taking the night off, uh, so hopefully Tim will be listening in. And uh, It's going to be really strange. This is the first time that we've done this with just the two of us, and I'm, yeah, a, but, I'm a little more nervous than I, I am normally before we do this. Not yeah. that you and I can't talk. but I don't think it's going to be as, as funny because nobody can throw out the one-liners like no. my friend One Tim. of the wittiest people I know. Sharp. A rapier wit. Is that a word? Yeah. Is that it's, a phrase? Uh, isn't, that what the, isn't that what they call the, the very sh- fine-tipped sword? One of the Ninja Turtles. Fencing? Oh, that's the... I, or some type of a sword, I think. Oh, okay. I thought it was like one of those Ninja Turtle weapons. No, no. That was the... You had the Psy, the bow staff, <laughs> the Katana, and the Nunchucks, I believe, in Ninja yeah. Turtles. Not not yeah, that see, I grew up watching the Ninja Turtles much. This is why we need Tim. We're already off the rails. Yeah, they were heroes in a half shell. <laughs> right. One of them had bow staff skills. Um, should we start over or just keep Let's playing? Let's just keep, keep going. going. Okay. Yeah. Why not? Because <laughs> this is really bad so far. If you're still hanging on, thank you for uh, <laughs> tuning in. And Jason and I are going to try to soldier through the best we can without our friend Tim. We were talking about the regularity of the podcast, and we need to do a weekly podcast. So that means from time to time, it's going to be a duet instead of a trio. Well, and we're sticking with the theme of, of doing this on Wednesday nights. And you're going to have some speaking engagements as summer gets here where you'll be gone on Wednesday nights. And uh, there'll be some, I'm sure, some times where, you know, we're, we're on vacation or things like that. So it, as uncomfortable as it is, uh, it's something that I think is going to be a necessity. Hey, and, the people want what the people want. You know, they demand a weekly podcast. Well, I just hope they... I hope that's enough for them, and they don't start asking for two a week. Or I, I don't you know, know if we could if we could do every two day. A week. Um, I'm just hoping that by Tim not being here, our viewership doesn't drop from like four to three. Our listenership mm. doesn't drop from four to three. That by twenty five percent. That would be crushing. Mm-hmm. It it definitely yeah. hurt our advertising dollars. It would. It would. Um, do you have a did you did you find a story well, this week that I, I've entertained gotta, you? I feel like our podcast. Mm-hmm is the only voice of reason with regard to Taylor Swift. Oh. And so we're going to have to return to this topic frequently because the world has gone crazy. I'm afraid that I'm going to get hate mail from the Swifties after this. You know, I don't care because we have to save this country. Let's do it. The other day on the news, they were having this conversation about whether Taylor Swift is going to weigh in on the election. And they said, if she does, whoever she endorses will be the next president. She is that popular that all she has to do is endorse one of the candidates, and um, that will be the next president. You know, I hope this isn't stepping on your article, but I, I think I saw a report just in passing today as I was looking at some news feeds that maybe she signed some kind of a deal with the NFL franchise. Um, I don't know if it's an advertising deal. Like I said, I just saw it in passing. I wonder if I can find it. What deals does she need? I don't know. How much money does this woman need? How much uh, people, you don't have to listen to Taylor Swift. The world may not realize this. Oh, you don't maybe, have to listen to her. 
I read it wrong. The jacket she has been wearing. Oh, boy. Um, the person that designs that has gotten licensed by the NFL because she's been wearing his jackets, custom-made jackets, to the football games. That's how popular oh. she is. Wow. One of the biggest advertising groups in the United States, the NFL, has just tons of advertising money, has now licensed a jacket solely because she wore it to maybe six or seven Chiefs games this season. People are crediting good ratings for the NFL to her. How do you feel if you're an NFL football player? Sore. every er, yeah. At least every Monday uh-huh. after the game. But yeah. That's right. Or Tuesday if you played on Monday night. That's true. Or Friday that, if you played on Thursday. We night. have them almost every night, it seems. It seems yeah. yeah. But well, back to our, our bashing of Taylor Swift. So I want to return to something I brought up in a previous episode. Okay. How she had surpassed Elvis Presley mm-hmm. in most cumulative weeks at number one. Now, if I remember from when you brought Albums. that up, you said that that did include where she re-released her it own albums that had versions. already been released previously. That's exactly right. Okay. Which, to me... Gets an asterisk. It should have an asterisk. At least an asterisk. Uh, here, here are the the top. Let, let's do the top five if you're interested. Number one, the Beatles, 132 cumulative weeks, and number one, these are albums. Okay. So as I understand it, it's like an unbroken streak kind of thing. Okay. It doesn't have to be the same album. But consecutive weeks of having an They have an, an album, album at number, at number one. one. Okay. So 132 weeks. Number two, Taylor Swift, 69. Okay. So she's... Halfway to the Beatles. A little beyond halfway there. Um, hopefully she'll never get there. Elvis Presley, who wasn't really an album guy. I think we talked about this. He threw out a lot of singles... Like, name Elvis Presley's greatest album. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a huge Elvis fan. Well, um, But he didn't have, like, yeah. a Pet Sounds or no. a White Album or no. a Sgt. Pepper's. No. He just, he would he was known for his big hits, and like you said, he yeah. would, re- what was the, oh, I'm drawing a blank, what was the small vinyl? The 45. Had, yeah, the 45. That, yeah, that, that's that, what he would sell. Yeah, and sold lots of them. Yeah, um... Number four, Garth Brooks, which, you know, I've heard. Yeah, that's very popular and been around forever. Yeah, yeah. Number five, as you could probably guess, Michael Jackson. Yes. I I can, yeah, that makes sense. Now, here's where the list loses its credibility. Okay. Because you go on down, number six is a tie between Whitney Houston and the Kingston Trio. Okay, this is where I start thinking this may not be that big a deal after all. Mm-hmm. You and I are vinyl enthusiasts. Yep. You've done some dumpster diving, thrift store diving. For yes, absolutely. Which albums do you see the most? You see, in the thrift stores, you see a lot of Linda Ronstadt. Neil Sedaka. Neil Diamond. Neil, Sada- Neil Diamond. And um, the Kingston Trio. Absolutely. You can get them for a nickel. Yes. Nobody cares about them. Nobody can name a song by them. No. Nope. Uh, so they're they're number six. I mean, yeah. hopefully one day, through the influence of this podcast, we can drive Taylor Swift into that kind of obscurity. I, I think we can do it. Okay, so out of the top five, 
let's play let's play a little game and the Swifties are gonna hate me for this better artist slash musician the Beatles Taylor Swift oh, I musically mean, do you the even Beatles have to ask? well I'm just asking let's just play this game the Beatles better yeah. musicians better writers greater music yes all right the Taylor Swift and Elvis who's the better she's writer? a better songwriter she didn't write songwriter. songs but he's the better musician, he changed, he better changed singer. Music. Yeah, he forever, did, forever, and he could sing from. It was not so. She made the transition from bad country to what I consider bad pop. I, in my opinion, you, you you thought I was going to get us in trouble. I'm telling you, I'm in trouble you, now. You're, you just threw I'm down on the my gauntlet. Soap, I'm on my soapbox right now. Elvis did from gospel to what was rock at that time to pop music. To movie soundtrack. I mean, he acted. Yeah. I mean, who was who was number four? Um, Garth. Garth Brooks. Eh. I like her better than Garth Brooks. I'm gonna throw that up. You know, that's that's the thing is I I don't hate Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. I just wish people would listen to something else from time to time. I just wish they would. Ex- does, when when do mu- I guess it's always been this way, but why do musicians get so much influence? That the person she supports politically is who they project will win. What? When did a musician, someone who writes, sings, performs well, always become so popular? It's just crazy to me. It's always been that way. Oh, maybe I'm. You got like Harry am I, Belafonte. Am I starting to sound like one of our? And he's he's weighing in on politics. You know. Am I starting to sound like one of our gray-haired friends that just gripe about the way things used to be? I'm afraid you I'm, got I, a few gray hairs. I'm afraid you. I'm headed that direction. You got a few. I mm. wanted to get. I I did a deep dive. Okay. Into how they rank these because this is interesting to me, okay. not from a mm-hmm. anti-Taylor Swift point of view, but just how the music industry has changed with the. With the advent of streaming mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like how how do you compare the Beatles yep. who would release you know, they it was only vinyl. I yep. mean maybe you had forty fives and you had mm-hmm. LPs. Yep. Then you get into uh Tim would say eight tracks, mm-hmm. cassette tapes, CDs, yes, and now streaming. Yeah. It wasn't until streaming that you didn't have Streaming is like apples and oranges to albums. It really is because how do you count it? Well, and we would go album. We would go purchase the album for two songs, maybe three songs, and you'd have to purchase the whole album. Now you couldn't even hear it. You can pick or choose. You wouldn't know what the rest of the. If they had one good single, you yeah, they could trick you into buying yeah, and paying twenty bucks yeah for a CD in some cases. So I'm trying to paid subscription, mm-hmm. Apple Music, Spotify. One thousand two hundred and fifty streams is one album unit. Okay. Now I don't know. I mean, could it be one thousand two hundred and fifty streams of the same song? See that, or anything off that album? Yeah, that's interesting. But that's how they have to do it. And then um, the second tier is ad-supported audio streams. So that's your Pandora. That's like Pandora. Yeah. Generally, you don't get to choose what's played. It's almost like that's the right. radio, right? Yep. 
So that goes up to 3,750 streams equals one album. Okay. That's a huge jump a from subscription yeah. Yeah. to ad. And there's some other stuff, but that gives you an idea of the game they're playing. Yeah. That's not the same thing. No. That's no, not the same. That's I, I disagree. Yeah, I, I totally agree with I mean, what you... Yeah. I don't... I don't think we can compare no. Taylor Swift to the Beatles anymore. They're they're in two different well, and worlds, two different markets. That's it's exactly not, right. Two not different the same thing. Times come and again, there should be an asterisk just because she's re-released the same album again. Yeah, I mean that that's another thing we that, get into. Yeah, that I don't know. It's a different I, world. I'm with you on that. I, I'm on your side. On I wasn't very well prepared for that discussion. Well, that's okay. But I found it very interesting. So interesting that I forgot everything that I learned. Yeah. But I found it very interesting when I read it a few weeks ago. How they? Because I always wondered, how do you come up with it? What's an album these days? Yeah. And how do you count that? Yeah, because it's kids aren't buying albums. No, I, I you can hardly find a store to go buy albums. I mean, unless you're getting vinyl and you're going to a special vinyl. Vi, and they're still tracking that. That's yeah. You know, but I mean, the day stuff, of going and buying a CD, amount. Like, who's buying CDs? Who's just collectors? Yeah, I've noticed just as novelties. Yeah, bands will put out a CD or even a cassette tape, and definitely vinyl. So we were, this is an aside, but we were cleaning out our basement this evening before we came to Bible study because we've got a uh, problem with our um, septic system and they're going to have to come do some clean out work in our basement. And so we needed to get stuff away in case the, what's the kind way to put it, the brown water gets everywhere. (laughs) And uh, we were Mm. moving some stuff and I pulled open this drawer on one of those like three-tiered, Tupperware carts, you know, that you can pull yeah. out the drawers in. And in there, I found a bunch of, like, uh, the the DVR writable discs like you would use in a computer. I believe oh, there was yeah. a couple of three-and-a-half-inch floppies <laughs> in there. It was quite an interesting find. It was the burnable disc that you would plug in and, and use to Take store your stuff. Take that to a stuff. museum. I, it w- I can't wait to go through all this stuff as we reorganize after the clean-out. Mm. But when you said... You know, vinyls, cassettes, CDs, that it made my mind go there. So, Drew, I've got a question for you. In in history, there are a lot of famous or infamous even couples. Um, mm-hmm. So we had uh, it, it, our, our partnerships. So you had like Bonnie and Clyde. Antony uh, and Cleopatra. Yeah, uh, uh, Butch Cassidy of the Sundance Kid. Yeah. Jesse James and whatever the other guy was that he always piled around with. Mm-hmm. Well, there are people that like to imitate these famous people and, and create problems. And I found okay. I found a story. I, I'm always interested in funny stories that involve police departments or just crazy thing that criminals do. I, it's just something that I'm drawn to, like a candle, like a, a moth to a candle, um, or moth to a flame. So, this article says Bonnie and Clyde wannabes. Couple leads deputies on chase in spray-painted car. Now, this happened two days ago in uh, from our friends up in um, South Carolina, out of Gray Court, South Carolina. The story was published on January 30th, and it, it has made every major 
media outlet that I've seen. Um, this I'm looking at it off mm. of the Fox Carolina feed. Okay. Um, so the story says the Lawrence County Sheriff's Office said Bonnie and Clyde wannabes were arrested after leading deputies on two pursuits on Monday. According to the sheriff's office, around 9 a.m., deputies on a routine patrol in the area of, who cares, South Frontage Road, wherever, noticed a person speeding in a black Honda sedan and having trouble maintaining lanes. The tag on the vehicle was expired, and deputies were able to identify the driver as Joshua Harvey. Now, I'm going to pause here, and I want you to remember black Honda sedan. It's important to remember mm-hmm. that. We're going to come back to that. So the tag like was a expired. Civic or a, yeah. an Accord. That's right. Something like that. Um, they were they were going to pull them over. So they the deputies said a traffic stop was attempted, but Harvey, the person driving, refused to stop. Um, when the pursuit crossed the Greenville County line, a decision at that point was made to terminate the pursuit. So they let him go. So this happened. Uh, at around 9 a.m. in the morning. Hmm. Approximately 2.45 p.m. in the afternoon, deputies said they were near Harvey's home, the person in the char- involved in this, following up on the pursuit from that morning. So they knew who he was. He had expired tags. And that's why they let him go, because they're just catching him later. Mm-hmm. The same car was seen recklessly driving, driven in the area of Bull Hill Road, and another traffic stop was attempted, but the car refused to stop. Um, Eventually, the officials say the car was successfully disabled on the I-385, and the driver um, was ultimately arrested. Now, I skipped part of this story Mm -hmm. that I'm going to come back to now. So we talked about black Honda sedan. So let me read it now. At approximately 2.45 p.m., deputies said they were in uh, near the Harvey's home following up on the pursuit. The same car, and this is the part I left out, now spray-painted white, was seen (laughs) recklessly driving. So between 9 a.m. pursuit and 2.45, they went home and they spray-painted the car white. Okay. And there's pictures of it in the news story, and it's really... It is really funny to see. Um, not a great spray paint job, uh, obviously. But when they crashed on I-385 and the pursuit was ended, uh-huh. animal control was called to the scene. <laughs> animal control again. All animal, your stories involve animal, animal control. control. was called to the scene to recover some passengers out of the car. Animal control recovered from the car a dog a cat, and four chickens that were all inside the car during the time of this pursuit. Um, And charges are pending. Um, Some of the charges are failure to stop DUI, ill treatment of animals, uh, driving under suspension, unlawful operation of a vehicle, operating with expired registration, seatbelt. But they, this story makes me laugh in so many ways. Number one, they spray painted their car white. So they're yeah. in a black car in the morning. Police chase them. And in their brilliance, criminals, they They've funny. seen too many monies, too many movies. They went home. And some point between when they got home, which let's say 10 or 1030 and 245, 
Number one, they found enough cans of white spray that's paint. A lot of, that's, that's a, a lot, lot of, spray, of paint. spray paint. And they spray painted their car white. Number two, <laughs> how are you involved in a traffic pursuit with a cat, a dog, and four chickens? We have chickens at my house. I cannot imagine what it's like riding in a car with one chicken, uh, much less four chickens. Out of those animals, the dog's the only one that enjoys a ride. Oh, it just cats me... do not like moving vehicles. So I, you got a cat, you got chickens. They all want out, the and they gotta smells, be going crazy. Can you imagine the fumes? Well, it smells from the like spray, spray paint, paint and whatever drugs they were on, and the animals. What and if I they just, were just high from too much spray paint? At what point? That's a consideration. At what point did the deputies, as they pulled this car over, walk up and run their finger down the side and say, <laughs> "Wait"? That's the black cars spray painted white. Oh man! I just the things this people. This is South Carolina. South Carolina. I'm so glad this didn't happen in Alabama. I am too. And you know, North Carolina is having a good laugh at this because I oh, would yeah. think that South Carolina is to North Carolina as Mississippi is to Alabama. Yeah. Um, true. But just true. I can't imagine. The whole thing That's had crazy. to be. I don't know. It's just had to be surreal to the sheriff's department who's who's dealing with this. And can you imagine the conversation when they got home that morning? What we need to do Listen. is we have got to spray paint this thing white. They'll never notice. We just barely got away. They probably <laughs> thought they outran them. Yeah. You know, the story, yeah. if I remember it correctly, said they just gave up. Yeah, they chase. just stopped chasing them. Yeah. Because Probably they crossed the they county they line. And, yeah. They're like, guys, we can catch them. They're going to come back home eventually. But and how much you want to bet it's one of those little civics with the muffler messed up. Oh, it's, you know. I got a picture. Yeah. It, you, why is it that. There's the white painted uh, the car right there yeah, for all like you viewers. Civic. I'm holding it up to yeah. the. We don't have a camera. That's so, a terrible yeah. paint job. Um, Do you think they took time to put painter's tape over the headlights and the windows as they they sprayed it? It looks like they stayed off of it pretty good. They did. It's impressive. But I just can't. The thought process that people go through is just... It's just mine. No, I, I don't sometimes. think there was a thought process no. that people went through no. in that story. What I would love is for I, I wish Tim was here because if we could have taken <laughs> his old Honda and seen how many bottles of spray paint it took to spray paint a Honda, that would have been a great experiment. A great experiment. Yeah. It, or mine. I. I'd, yeah. I had, I had a Honda. I had a Honda, Honda to pull apart. Um. There was a picture on one of the sites that I saw of the car. It looked like it had been maybe, what's the move they do? A pit move where they, they, they push them off. Yeah. And there's this, it's white, and there's this big black smear down it where obviously they had pushed them off and rubbed <laughs> and the, the paint, paint off. the paint wasn't dry. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's that story funny. just made me laugh. Hey, did you hear about the... Uh, Senate hearing with the social media people today. So I caught just a little bit of conversation on it on my way home tonight. That there was, was a it Mark, drama. Was it Mark Zuckerberg? Zuckerberg was there, okay. and a TikTok guy was there. I think it's a guy. Uh, those were the two big shots. There were some others there as well. And there's the there was the usual. What was the purpose of the hearing? 
Well, that is a question everyone is asking. Okay, so no one really knows why they had the hearing. How many years has the Senate been calling these people in, raking them over the coals in front of the cameras, and then sending them off and nothing changes? So apparently they were representing some parents who were there whose children had died mostly in cases of cyberbullying. Okay. And suicide and things and so and i don't know if you're mark zuckerberg are you required to go to these hearings you know i don't know is it a forced appearance like a subpoena because he didn't he didn't commit a crime that he has to be there for but okay i'm thinking that that he had to be there otherwise why would he go that gives me an idea at least of the purpose behind it um they wanted them to answer questions in a four-hour session um, in the presence of grieving families as lawmakers repeated stories of sexual exploitation, suicide, and other suffering blamed on social media. There were just a couple things I wanted to point out here that I found interesting from this. Um, first of all... Um, well, one of the things that was probably the biggest moment in this hearing is one of the senators asked Zuckerberg if he wanted to apologize to the families. Now, to his credit, Zuckerberg actually stood up and turned to face the families, and he said, I'm sorry your families were hurt. I'm sorry this happened to you. He didn't take full credit for it. And, you know, I'm not really sure that he should. You know, I was watching that and I was like, okay, social media is harmful. I know that. I've written a book about it. So I know that it's harmful. But there are a lot... Dangerous Playground by Drew Kaiser. That's right. Available through Riddle Creek Publishing. But... But there's how a did lot they get of things, social media. But there are a lot of things that are dangerous or can right. be dangerous. Cars are dangerous. Yeah. And I guess we've called in I'm sure automakers had and raked them over in. the coals yeah. and had them apologize to families. Yeah. But in that case, the car was supposed to be working a certain way and it was and used it did, inappropriately. And it malfunctioned. Or yeah. If if a kid is driving a Ford Mustang, and he's under the influence, and he drives it off a bridge. Do we call Ford in and say your and have car them apologize been to the family? No. no, we may not have known how social media worked in the very beginning. Fine, but we know now. So let's stop acting like it's all the social media makers' fault. Well, they bear some responsibility, but so do the parents. Well, the buck should not stop with the social media company because it's a it's a tool. It can be used for good. It can be used for bad. There's again, I think it's a pushback on this whole idea of personal responsibility. You know, no one wants to take responsibility for their actions anymore. The bullies don't want to take responsibility for their actions for bullying. 
the victims of bullying don't want to take responsibility for the actions that they're doing. The parents mm-hmm. don't want to take for allowing their kids access to this stuff. I don't know. It, it see, I would love to know, was, was this like a joint thing or was this one side of the political spectrum more so than the other? It was a other? joint because um, it's just interesting. Klobuchar uh-huh. was there. She's a Democrat. Mm-hmm. Most of them are Republicans. Ted Cruz, Josh Howley, um, you know, just. But if my kids misuse social media, I don't blame social media. I blame my kids. And yeah. If, now, social and parents, media if you've not dealt with that, you will. There. There was sexually exploitative now that material kind of stuff, on there. Yeah. Totally inappropriate. You know, where kids if that's could allowed. get it. Yeah. Um, that kind of stuff got got under the radar. Yep. And um, anything that can then be the used, algorithms yeah. that yeah. increase the negativity, um, you know, there are things that need to be changed about the algorithms and um, what is allowed on the platform. And they're making those changes. And, and again, I'm not apologizing for them. I'm looking for this particularly... bad... Um, there, were, there was one thing where they had calculated, they found out that Facebook had calculated the the worth of like a teen girl or something, like she's worth a From certain it. amount of money. And for the life of me, I cannot find that anymore. From like I mean, an advertising yes, standpoint? Yes, from an advertising standpoint. Well, I'm sure they have... She's worth like $1.70 or each child yeah. is worth this much. And uh, that looked really bad. Yeah. Um, well, you know these companies, they, they, I mean, it's scary. You and I could be talking about a product, and tonight when we get home, if we pull up our our computer, we're going to see advertisements for that product. So they know how to market to people. They know how to adjust things and, and, and draw people in. But at some point, yeah. the level of personal responsibility has got to be with the individual. I'm only responsible for my actions. You're only responsible for your actions. We can't control other people's actions. And at the end of this hearing, apparently I pulled up a different article Mm -hmm. than what I had originally read, read, Mm -hmm. which is, again, me doing a very bad job in my preparation. But I'm sure there's articles galore out there. Yeah, I I got it off. I I don't know. I don't know what happened. Um, I was going to read the end of the article where... It basically said, um, after asking all the questions, the senators went back to their lives and didn't produce any legislation, and the the social media folks went back to their jobs and start kept doing the same thing they've been doing, and it's all just a lot of hot air until somebody changes something, and what we need to do is educate kids on how addictive this stuff is on how false it is. You're yep. looking at personas of people. You're not looking at actual people to tell them, look, if somebody is exploiting you sexually, you need to tell an adult, and it's not your fault. Yep. Don't be ashamed. There's one case where a kid was exploited sexually, and he killed himself because he was so ashamed of mm-hmm. it. Talk to your kids and limit their phone usage. 
limit their social media usage. And, uh, you know, some of this legislation, like um, I've heard talk, of course, nobody ever does anything, but I've heard talk about banning TikTok. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Well, hey, let's do it. I mean, I'm a, a almost 45, 44-year-old man. I have zero social media on my phone. And it's the most freeing thing in the world. Now, there's some reasons for that, but it's it's nice not having it. I, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have to freeze up a lot of time. I don't worry about it. I hey, if you're f- listening to this, I challenge you: get your phone out, go to settings, go to screen time, and look and look at how much time you spend scrolling through meaningless drivel. You know, I you say that yesterday morning about ten thirty or eleven, I checked my my phone usage time pretty regularly because I'm not productive when I'm on my phone. And at about 10.30 yesterday morning, the number one thing that had used time, it was seven minutes I had spent on one app. It was my alarm clock. That's how many times I had <laughs> hit snooze that morning. So, <laughs> it was just a little embarrassing I when I saw that. that. Yeah, it was bad. I don't do mornings well. But, you know, there's social media, internet usage, connectivity that we have. It's it's a wonderful thing. I I can I can reach out, and I still have some, like Facebook. I'm on Facebook. I just don't have it on my phone. If I want to look at it, I can go to my computer and I can reach out and talk to. I mean, today we were talking to somebody in Peru. I mean, it's I invited a, a speaker thing. today. Yeah, using Facebook and so, it saved me a lot of time. Some of these things are wonderful things. Mm-hmm. I when I had Instagram, I could look and see what friends that I had in college, how their families are doing, but. With these things comes a lot of temptation and a lot of risk for abuse. And, man, we got to be responsible with what we're doing. Because kids today, I'm so thankful they we didn't have this stuff when I was a kid. I'm starting to sound like a grandfather again. Back yeah. in my day. Yeah. But, I, I'm man. I'm too. Because I, I don't know what our kids are going to. I feel like it's taking their imagination away from them. it away. They don't know what to do if they don't have the phone in their hand. The one problem I had with Zuckerberg is he denied that there's any research out there showing a link between mental health problems, depression, et cetera, and social and media. Social media. <laughs> and that, look, the science is has there. spoken. Yeah, it's there. It is confirmed that every time you look at social media, you feel depressed. Yeah. Well, and I tell you, you feel worse. And what, there's no questioning that. If you want to do a little self-test or home test to see just how tied in you are to social media and, and, and your phone and things like that, cut the Wi-Fi off for a little bit. See how mm-hmm. quickly everybody gets fired up and is mad about I mean, if I mean, unplug, just unplug for a couple of hours and see how your family reacts. And if everybody is upset and mad because they can't get their hit from their phone or their TV... You got a problem with your your internet and screen time usage. You you just do. And we hear we hear parents say it all the time. We've said it. I took my kid's phone away from him for a few days, and he's actually a lot more pleasant than he was before. Yep, it, it's just true. Um, and again, I'm just I'm so thankful that I do not did not grow up in a time where everything mm-hmm. was on a phone. But, hey, we're in that time now, and, and this gets back to parents. It does, yeah. You have got to get involved in what your kids are doing on their phones, and you've got to take them away from them every once in a while 
You've got to check their screen time. It's just, it has to be done. It's such a pain in the neck. Oh, it is. And it causes it causes everybody anxiety. I, I told my kids the other night, we were talking about this at the Pullum household. I said, I do not enjoy having to get your phone no. and look through it. I despise it. Number one, it makes me anxious. What am I going to find? Number two, yeah. it makes you mad. Number mm-hmm. three, it's wasting time. I could be doing something I would rather be doing. But if you don't occasionally check and see what they're into, I mean, the equivalent of it would be, you know, when I was a kid going and hanging out at somebody's house and my parents never knowing who I was with, never asking who I was with, just not caring at all what I was doing and just assuming that everything was okay. connecting with other people. Yeah. And, and who are they connecting with? And people that what will, are they talking about? And people that will and do influence their behavior. And in in my experience, both with myself and my family, you always move towards the lowest common denominator. Mm-hmm. It's rare that a, a a bright shining moment you pull people up. That kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Who you're connected with will almost always bring you down to the lowest common point. And 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 our kids are guilty of it. We as adults are guilty of it. Oh, yeah. That, that, that's another thing that we as parents need to do is we need to be better examples on how to use this technology. We're back, and uh, we have picked a, a quote that we're both very excited about, but we're not sure. It, it seems, Jason, to be a little beyond us. I mean, Drew, just about every quote we've picked, I've, 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 when we've discussed it and, and sent it back and forth to each other, I've looked at it, and instantly I've just started processing, oh, this is going to be great for this discussion. This one has mm-hmm. me a little scared, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. This one is... is I don't know. Maybe we're stepping off into deeper waters than we should be, but I, think I really it's like this quote since it's just you and me because we have been reading this guy. Yeah, the, or at uh, least attempting to read this guy. The quote is attributed to Fyodor Dostoevsky. I'm glad you said that name. I always botch Fyodor. it. Fyodor. I'm sure I didn't say it correctly. I think it sounded wonderful. Here's the quote: "The best way to keep a prisoner from escaping." is to make sure he never knows he's in prison. So, before we get into the quote, can we talk about Dostoevsky a little bit? Yeah, let's do it. He's claimed by everybody. Christians like to claim him. Existentialist philosophers like to claim him. He wrote several novels and a few philosophical works, and uh, he's just so profound. He wrote the best book, besides the Bible, that's ever been written, in my opinion, the brother, the brothers Karamazov. And you and I have been picking our way through the idiot, or it, as they say in Russian, the Russian translation is the idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know where that was going. That really made me laugh. That's how you say it in Russian. Yeah. Um, the idiot is, we, we 
haven't been long. able to finish it. It's like all his novels. It's very long, and it's about this holy fool of mm-hmm. sorts, who's very genuine, very sincere. People take advantage of him, mock him, make fun of him, and he's he's kind of based. Uh, I think I read somewhere that in the idiot, it's kind of an experiment to see how people would react to Christ mm-hmm. in what was then contemporary times. Yeah, and it's a it's it's a real study on the interactions between people and and their nature as far as especially taking advantage of the guy in so many ways. Yeah, over and over. But when they thought they were taking advantage of him. He's yeah. so good and virtuous. He yeah. knew what yeah. they were doing, yeah. and he allowed and them he to allowed do it anyway. Do it. That's right. And we probably need to finish the book before we talk about it anymore. But um, that it's it's not as good as the others that have read. But it's yeah. it's worth the read if you have the time to read it. You and I both have read Crime and Punishment. Mm-hmm. Crime and Punishment is an experiment to see what does a character do if he commits a crime. Uh, can can he get away with it if he's not emotionally involved? Mm-hmm. Can he just forensically commit a crime and get away with it? Yeah. And the end of the experiment is that he's not able to detach himself from the guilt no. over what he had done. Yeah, he could not separate the feeling or the emotion from the activity or the act of the crime. Brothers Karamazov mm-hmm. is an experiment. I've not read that one. And uh, I won't spoil it for you, but three brothers, mm-hmm. one operating on animal instincts. Mm-hmm. He's hedonistic. If it feels good, do it. The other is an intellectual. Mm-hmm. His highest pursuit in life is knowledge. And the other is religious. Mm-hmm. And it's basically a test. It's also kind of a whodunit at the same time. There's a, there's a murder that needs to be solved. But you you try to see which pursuit leads to a successful, happy life. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. It seems like all the books I've read by him are experiments in psychology. Mm-hmm. What person does best in these scenarios? What what type character works in life? What can people get away with psychologically? Well, and in this case, with this story. Um, especially the idea of a prisoner escaping prison, he had some real life experience with this. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, he he'd been to prison, right? Yeah, I mean, what a great <laughs> he has a great biography, one that nobody would want for their own. But no, I would not. He like was to captured have it. for some political reasons mm-hmm. that we don't understand. Almost like for inciting an insurrection, essentially. Yeah, yeah. But I think he was just hanging around with the wrong group of intellectuals. Mm-hmm. Yep, for the government at that time. This is before the Bolshevik Revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, and he and his comrades were lined up on a wall in front of a firing squad. Yeah, I mean, to and, the moment of like, this is it. And they were told at the last moment that their sentence That's, was commuted. Yep. And they then so, he went and worked. I was going to say to hard labor. Yeah, hard yeah. labor, prison camp. Yeah. And so that probably had a bit of an impact on his <laughs> I would think it would affect your your uh, thinking your thought his thinking from that yeah. point forward but uh, yeah since this quote is about prisons it's interesting that he's saying 
there's a prison without walls. Oh yeah. And in a way, and we've gotten so far away from the quote, I'm going to read it again. The best way to keep a prisoner from escaping is to make sure he never knows he's in prison. So on a very superficial level, mm-hmm. from a literal reading of this, mm-hmm. you've got the idea of if you want to keep prisoners from getting out of prison, make things comfortable enough for them that they don't realize they're being punished. Make sure they enjoy the experience. And they'll stay. And, and they're n- you don't have to worry about them breaking out if what they're breaking out into is going to be harder to deal with Mm-hmm. than what they're living in. I mean, yeah. on a very superficial, that's what he's saying. But it gets to a lot of, when you start thinking this, about this and applying it to our lives, man, there's a lot of depth in this quote. There's a lot of different directions. And that's what yeah. made it so. So I love um, C.S. Lewis and his writings. And in the screw tape letters, you know, one of the things that is said is it's basically the idea of if you want to keep a human trapped in their sin, then you make them comfortable in their sin. And he says, yeah. um, he says, um, I'm drawing a blank. What's the lead demon? Wormwood? Mm-hmm. No, not wormwood. Well, screw tape. Screw tape is, is speaking. Training yeah. wormwood. Screw tape says this: one of our best weapons is contented worldliness. Mm-hmm. So if you make someone content and comfortable in what they're doing, you can trap them in the prison of whatever it is. I mean, it. Mm-hmm. I don't know, that, that popped into my mind almost immediately when I read this quote, was that section, and it's early in the book uh, uh, that this pops up, Yeah, um, talking That's about... That's a good connection. It was just yeah. interesting to you me. You know, another thing that I think of is the Truman Show. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah Truman yeah. is in this TV world, and he doesn't know it. Yeah. And as long as he doesn't know that he's leading an artificial life, he's happy. That's right. But then it's been a long time since I've seen it. It's been a long, long time. But it seems like some lighting falls out of the sky. Mm -hmm. There are these little clues here and there that it's all fake. And his paranoia starts going through the roof. Yeah. But he's he's right. He realizes that he's in a prison. Yeah. And once he realizes that he's in the prison, he's suddenly unhappy with it. And he wants out. And he, and he wants and he to gets escape out. it. Yeah. yeah, you know, I as as I read this quote, one of the things that I thought about was uh, it. It almost is like it generated more questions than it did conclusions or or commentary. Mm-hmm. So, what are the prisons that trap us? Sin is obviously a prison we trap ourselves in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's easy to get comfortable in sin, so comfortable that it's easier to stay in it than it is to escape it. Yeah, like in what you were saying, comfort is not the prison. Comfort is the illusion that keeps you in the prison. That's exactly right. But sin is the prison. That's right. The comfort, yeah. your your perce- perception of happiness or peace keeps you there. And and we've all been at points in our lives where we've been caught up in some sin and and it's pretty comfortable. We kind of like it actually. Mm-hmm. And it's because, familiar it becomes familiar that's to right. us. That's right. And and when something becomes familiar and comfortable, the last thing you want to do is to give that up. And you know, coming clean, confessing, repenting, being vulnerable vulnerable about 
our situation, that's that's hard. But that's what mm-hmm. it takes to escape that prison. So sin was one of those prisons. Uh, you know, addiction is a prison I thought about. But I was just, mm-hmm. I, I wonder what other prisons we trap ourselves in. I think social media is a prison we trap ourselves in. Mm-hmm. You know, just going back to the conversation yeah. we were having Peter earlier. Peter said, whatever overcomes you, you are the slave of that thing. Yeah. And uh, that applies to God, too. Oh, yeah. So you choose your taskmaster. Yeah. You know, one question that I had is the, is the and this is, you said it raises more questions than answers, but here's, here's a great question raised by this. What's more important to feel comfortable or to be free? Exactly. Yeah, that's you know, a what's great more, question. Yeah. And um, I think the Bible lands on the freedom. Yeah. It's more important to be free than to be comfortable. And when I, I think deep down, we all know that. Yeah. I, I think just our nature is to be to be free. God made us to be free. And and Jesus's statement in John eight thirty two, you shall know the truth, and the truth, and the shall truth shall set you free. But you know what? The truth may make you very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. The truth may cast you into an unknown. Mm-hmm. So you've got to combine that truth with faith in order to enjoy that freedom. Otherwise, <clears throat> cold, sterile truth will fling you into a, a panic-stricken existence, right? Yeah. Oh, because yeah. if you just have truth, you're thrown out out of your prison, sure, yeah. but you're, you're freedom without any restraint. You've got freedom now. And you don't know what's going to happen, and you feel totally out of control. That's why we need God. We can't handle freedom without Him. We, mm-hmm. We're better off in the prison without God. That's right. But with Him, with faith combined with truth, then we can, we can handle the freedom. Another question that I, I thought of as I, was, as I was thinking about this is what makes us comfortable in our prisons we create. And I don't think there's anything special. Sin is uncomfortable, but we can find ourselves comfortable in it. Addiction is uncomfortable, but we can find ourselves comfortable in it. Um, there's a lot of things that... Fleeting, so maybe fleeting pleasure. And I say fleeting yeah. because it only lasts a little while. And with addiction, you build up a tolerance and you have to have it more and more yeah. and more. You've got to get your yeah. fix more often. And eventually, it it doesn't work. But familiarity is a big one. That know. was going to be that. That was going to be you the one I was going to, to it. That's right. It becomes comfortable, and it becomes your normal. Mm-hmm. And if there's one thing we hate as humans, it's changing from what is our mm-hmm. normal. It's hard to do. There's stories, and I don't have any specific ones. I didn't look any up again. I probably should have done a little more research. But anecdotally, there are stories of people who are getting ready to be paroled from prison yeah and they act out they create some type of a crime do to something to keep themselves there and it's and it's not that they love where they are it's they're terrified of what's out there right and sometimes that fear you have the comfort of being familiar with your environment and then you have it coupled with the fear of, I don't know what happens if I leave this environment or I leave this prison. 
and that's enough to keep you locked in and you can uh no matter what happens you could take the bars down and they're not going to leave if they have comfort in their familiar surroundings and they're terrified of what's outside. You know, there's a funny movie. My grandfather used to watch, God, we used to watch all these old movies, and he loved Support Your Local Sheriff. I don't know if mm-hmm. you've ever seen that movie. James Garner. It's an old I've one. Heard it's it. a classic, funny. I don't think I've seen it, yeah. I say it's funny. To me, it's got the sentimental memories. Well, he James Garner comes into this town. He's kind of a hustler. He ends up being the sheriff in the town. And they take him to show him the new prison. The last two sheriffs or three sheriffs have been shot and run out of town. In fact, the badge they give him has a den in it from a bullet. And, oh, okay. And they go to show him. They're like, we've got, you know, we have our problems, but we've got a new jail. And they walk into the jail. And in that jail, there are no bars. They're like, well, the bars are on order, but they're back ordered, and it's going to be so long. So he takes a piece of chalk, and he draws a line across the floor. He dribbles a little red paint, and his first guy he puts in there is just sitting in this empty cell with no bars. The guy's dad comes and is giving the prisoner grief about, why don't you just walk out? And the guy's like, well, you see that, that red spot. (laughs) That's the last guy that stepped across this line. And the only thing holding that dude in his cell was fear. Was fear. Uh-huh. And I wonder how often we're mm. trapped in our own prison, whether it's That's true. prison of your mind or prison of sin or whatever, trapped in the same thing we've been doing over and over and over and over and over again that's eating away our life, taking away our relationship with Christ, our relationship with our family, our relationship with our friends, separating us from God simply because we're afraid of stepping out of that prison and seeing what happens. Yeah, that pulls this into new areas for me from from sin into just simply trying to better yourself and grow. Mm -hmm. A lot of people tell themselves, I can't fulfill this dream of mine. Mm -hmm. I can't do this career. I can't, you know accomplish this dream of mine because I'm not good enough. I don't have enough talent. I don't, you know, it costs too much, whatever. And they won't take the risk because of the fear. And they're in a prison uh, that they, they don't realize they're in a prison. All it is is a prison that you, you're in. Uh, I'm, I'm really trying to avoid the, the nineties song. I've created my own prison, but, uh, (laughs) Whatever that was. I think, you just, I think you just dated yourself. Yeah. But that's what we do, and you're, you're exactly right. We, immediately I thought of comfort and familiarity, but fear is probably what's keeping the knowledge at bay more than any other thing. Yeah. Isn't that what Dostoevsky says? He says it's uh, i got to pull it back up here. Make sure he never knows he's in prison. That's so right. what what's creating the ignorance? Yeah. Comfort, and familiarity, fear. Fear. Fear probably more than any other thing. And I think fear in so many ways keeps all of us from reaching our potential. I was reading a book by Andy Andrews. He's an author from Alabama down in Gulf Shores area called The Little Things. Um, it's an easy read. I mean, you can sit and read it in a sitting. It's only, I don't know, 140 pages or so. But... Um, one of the things he said is that it always it always bothers him when people ask 
if you could choose to do anything in life, what would you do? Mm-hmm. And he said, what's crazy about that question is that it assumes that you don't have a choice in what you're doing, that you're stuck where you are because life has put you there. But we all have a choice to make. Mm-hmm. The thing that keeps us from making that choice is we're just afraid. We're afraid of change. We're afraid of the outcome. We're afraid of of what might happen. And that fear is just compounded, solidified, because we're comfortable where we are. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't yeah. know, it's, I, I think it limits us from doing so many things. And so most of us sit in a prison of our own making. Yeah. This is probably the closest we'll ever get to our Dostoevsky podcast. Yeah. We talked about that one time. But in order to do it, we would have to finish the idiot. And at some point, I will finish it, but it's not on the yeah, top of my priority tonight. reader list. No, I think I've still no. got another. There's three books in it, I think. Is it four um, books? Three might books? be four. I, I, I think it is four because I think I'm in the third book. <laughs> it's of the one four. of those. My Kindle will say average time to read, you know, and yeah. I'll get books that'll be eight hours, 15 yeah. hours. This one's like 45 hours. Yeah. And, and and right now at the pace I'm going, it may say like the infinity sign is where <laughs> yeah. it may be. So. Yeah. But I'm sure we'll be handling quotes by him. Oh, he's got so fu- many good ones. In future ones, yeah. episodes. Um, and, you know, it just occurred to me, I don't know if we've thrown this out to our audience, but uh, you have a quote you'd like for us to cover? By all means, send it in. Uh, you know how to get in touch with us. I assume you do. Yeah. All four of you probably find know us. Know us. Yeah. Find us on Facebook or Instagram or well, not Jason. He's already told us that he I, doesn't do that. I, I rarely ever find am on me. there. Yeah. Look me up and send us a quote. We'd love to uh, get some input. We're always looking for a new passages to talk about because we're going to be back next week. And uh, next week, Jason, I really hope. We have our buddy Tim with us. Yeah, I, I, I missed him tonight. Get the band back together. Um, but one one way or another, we're going to be here, so keep listening. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. And give us a rating. We'll see you next week.